The Truth Barista Podcast is a production of High Beam Ministry, shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. To get more Truth Barista Podcasts, go to truthbarista.com, thetruthbarista at gmail.com. Because if you go back into the Old Testament, it was very clear in the writing of the Old Testament that God was approachable by His people. We just heard about that with regard to Daniel and that great prayer which he prayed. The rabbis even said, the Holy One yearns for the prayers of the righteous. Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me. Psalm 91, 15, when he calls to me, says the Lord, I will answer him. Some rabbis taught that prayer was greater than sacrifice. And some rabbis believe that prayer should be constant, not just when a person is in need. In fact, there's a statement in the Talmud that says, honor the physician before you have need of him. You shall pray, and not just when in need, but when in prosperity. Welcome to the Erzatz Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Well, Truth Barista, here we are once again in the anointed booth, and we're going to continue on our theme of prayer today. And before we sat down here, just before we sat down, you prayed, and you were praying about, well, you were talking about, Lord, cleanse us. And I thought, hmm, do you know something we don't know uh, about me or you or Why did you pray that way? Uh, Let me put it this way. Over time, as water flows through copper pipes, you run in with a problem with sediments and, and scale, as they call it, that collects on the inside of the pipe. And I had a real problem with that one time in a house because all of a sudden I got and you've you've experienced this, the pinhole leak oh, sure. in the copper pipe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to replace that section of pipe. But I'll tell you what, it's just like the water goes everywhere. It's not going where it's supposed mm-hmm. to. Well, a lot of times in my mind when I go to prayer, one of the first things I think about is, Lord, how am I lined up with you? Is mm-hmm. is my pathway to you? Is my pipeline to you clean? Is the spiritual living water flowing both ways through all of the piping? Is it through? Is it flowing into me and out of me, or is there scale? You know, sin, unconfessed sin, bad attitudes, bad thoughts. Is there anything that gets in the way of what I am praying? And by the way, that is part of what we're going to talk about later in this. You know, in our Bible study today, that there are things that get in the way of prayer. So we really a good idea is to always Lord cleanse us. And help us to be open in prayer. I love it because it stopped me right in my tracks as you were praying. And I thought to myself, yeah, there are a few things that I need to kind of, well, descale or unplug or just make confession and maybe repentance for. So that was a very good prayer. So, you know, prayer does bring conviction sometimes, even even if a person isn't in the same room that you're praying for, right? Prayer does bring conviction. Let's get on with our practice here, because Jesus is talking about the Torah, but the Torah is more than just learning. Torah is practice, and he gives us how to practice the official big things of the Torah. You know, don't 
don't murder, don't commit adultery, all that stuff. But now we're moving into or have been talking about what about spiritual practices? I mean, they are talked about in the Torah. And they are given examples in the Torah. So when we're talking about prayer, we know that Abraham prayed and was answered. We know that Jacob talked to God and was answered. We know Isaac talked to God and was answered. So prayer is, in essence, part of the Torah. And this is what Jesus is teaching on in this section, which is basically chapter 6 and starting at chapter 5. Well, I have a question because you have a friend. Because when you talk about practices, you have a friend called Dr. Chapstick. And (laughs) Dr. Chapstick had a saying that he talked about is teach to learn and learn to do. Why does Dr. Chapstick say that? (laughs) Well, our mutual friend, Dr. Chapstick, actually says study to learn, learn to do. That's the essence of discipleship. It's not about mental knowledge. So, for example, many people go to their pastor and say, Pastor, what should I think about this scripture? Hebraically thinking, you study to learn something, but you learn it to put it into practice. You learn to do. So a Jewish person will come to a rabbi and say, Rabbi, how do I do this passage? And so this is exactly what the disciples are doing with Jesus. It's not, what should we think about prayer? What should we think about giving or fasting? They're saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. How do we do what you're telling us to do? And so really this whole section, Matthew 5 through 7, is Jesus teaching how to do the major parts of the Torah and the essentials of a spiritual life giving, praying, fasting, etc. Perfect. I love that Dr. Chapstick, whoever he is. Some great theologian somewhere in the hinterland, but uh, good thought. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's go back and look at the verse again, refresh what we've got, and then we'll kind of walk through this again. I know we talked a little bit about this last week. So verses start at verse 5 of chapter 6. Okay. He says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners why to be seen by people see there's the motive truly i tell you they have received their reward which is what to be seen verse six but when you pray go into your private room shut your door pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you so the is the issue is jesus is not saying if you pray The expectation, and was a very common part of Jewish life, is when you pray. And by the way, most people find themselves, whether they believe God or not, I find that they call out to a higher power or something outside of their control when they're out of control. And it's it's like they say, there are no atheists in foxholes. (laughs) Well, you know, when you get into trouble, you find out where you're really at because you start, okay, God, if you're up there, I need your help, kind of a thing. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, first of all, make sure you have the right motive. Did you catch that? I did. Okay, so here you go. When you pray, that's the expectation. The wrong motive is the fake prayers, Mm -hmm. like fake news, right? Right. (laughs) The fake prayers are hypocrites. Their reward comes through recognition. If you go to the secret prayer, the authentic, genuine, he's got or she's got their motives in the right place, their reward is relationship. See, that's the two differences. Okay, the hypocrites, by the way, come from a Greek word that was used of actors because in Greek theater, they would change characters by putting on a mask. And hypocrites means under the surface or under a mask. So these are posers. 
They do this to be seen, not necessarily to be heard by God, but to be heard by others. They stand in the synagogues. Why? To stand out. They stand on the street corner because that's where their potential admirers are. Their potential admirers are the people who will bestow the hypocrite's reward. And by the way, spotting a fake, as you know, can be really easy. Right. So now the right motive is when you pray, go for the relationship. So rather than in public, cultivate first a private prayer life. Now, this doesn't, by the way, doesn't exclude public prayers as long as we have the right motivation, the proper motivation. We need to pray out with pure motives and heartfelt convictions. And by the way, everybody's around you will join in with you. People get swept up in another person's genuine heartfelt prayers, whereas when you get the sense that a hypocrite is praying, it's kind of like, okay, can we move along now? <laughs> Next prayer, please. Thank you. Well, a relationship is two-sided, if I'm not mistaken. My wife sometimes says, you know, when I'm talking to her, sometimes when I'm helping her through a, a, a rough patch, she'll say, hey, you know, what I want you to do is just listen to me. So it's a two-way street, you know, here's the problem, I'll give my thoughts and, and back and forth. So isn't that what you're talking about when you talk about a relationship? It's a two-way street, correct? Correct. It's not just us babbling or talking mm -hmm. to God one way. An essential part of prayer is listening. And that's another reason why we pray, Lord, cleanse me, clean out my spiritual system here, all of the hearing and the eyes and everything, so that I can understand what you're saying to me because, and here's the key that I think of often, Jesus said, if you pray according to the will of the Father, Father's will will be done, right? Oh, absolutely. If yes. Uh -huh. Your prayer will be answered mm -hmm. if you're praying according to God's will, because God wants or wills to do what you're praying. And so he's willing to answer that. If you pray against the Father's will, why is the Father going to answer that? And so this is why when we come to prayer, it's, Father, I have a sick person in front of me. Let's use this as an example. I can jump in right away and say, you know, Lord, please raise this person up out of the deathbed or, you know, heal them instantly, etc. And there have been times when I'm about to pray and the Lord says, no, pray for comfort mm. because this is an illness unto death. He's I've actually heard that as I prayed for people. Really? Wow. And he says, don't pray for healing. Yeah. Pray for, in mm -hmm. air quotes, the mm -hmm. healing, which is death, mm -hmm. or comfort as they approach death, comfort for the family. It's a very difficult thing. But there have been times when I go to pray for somebody who's sick, and I do have that strong push, that impression from the Holy Spirit, pray for this person for an instantaneous healing, and I have seen instantaneous healings wow. at that moment. Well, that's really a great testimony. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was in a denomination where they read their prayers, and they actually had a prayer book. Now, I'm not saying that's bad, but when I would read those prayers, there was no heart feeling. I just felt, well, I read that prayer, God hears it, and everything's cool, right? No relationship. It was just just wrote, you know, that I went through. I would speak to that a little bit because it's not bad, but it's not really relationship, right? Well, I have two ways of looking at it. One, in a sense, Gentile, and the other, in a sense, Jewish. I agree with you. I grew up in a denomination where we read prayers together. 
And there are times when I'm just kind of blah, 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 kind of going through it. And my mind wasn't even connected with what I was praying. My heart certainly wasn't connected when I was praying. But I did find a difference when I prepared myself going into the worship service. And I said, I'm focusing on you, God, and I'm thinking about you, and I'm orienting my mind and my heart to you. Then when we came to the prayers, I felt like I was relationally ready with God. And then when I would pray those prayers, I'm going to make them my prayers. I will pray them with my mind and heart. I will make them my prayers, even though they're somebody else's words. On another level, you can say, I will sit here and listen to somebody pray. And as they're praying, I can give them an amen in my mind or in my heart or verbally, right? Why? Because their prayer expressed what I would have prayed myself. And that transformed the whole thing. It wasn't just babbling on, as Jesus is going to talk about in a second, but I made those written prayers my own. And sometimes you kind of have to read through the prayers first and say, oh, yeah, I can pray this. And then you join in with people prayer. Now, here's the Jewish side. Mm -hmm. There is a thing in Judaism during prayer time called Kavanah. And Kavanah is the intentional, purposeful focusing of one's person as they pray. Have you ever seen the Orthodox Jewish people primarily? Here's a common picture at the wall Mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And they have the prayer book in front of them. And they're bobbing Mm -hmm. forward and back. They're rocking forward and back as they pray. They don't do that because it's the thing to do. They do that because it helps concentrate their mind through a rhythmic motion on what they're praying. Because when you look at the Siddur, which is the Jewish prayer book, there are wonderful prayers in there. But they recognize, yeah, you can do this without the heart and the mind. You can just engage the mouth. Mm -hmm. You're focusing on those prayers and you're making them your own. And they're marvelous guides to prayer. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, the Jewish person is saying, Siddur book, help me pray. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples are going to, in a sense, a living prayer book, Jesus, and saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. Mm. And he does so. Make sure your motives are right. Go for relationship before reward. And then once he does that, he says, now I'm going to teach you more of the practical stuff about the right and wrong way to pray. And you know something, Truth Barista, I've been rocking back and forth for some time here. And it's not because... You're about to crawl into a fetal position. Well, I'm not praying at this point. I'm I'm really (laughs) desiring another cup of coffee because the well is dry on my side of the table. So maybe we should break and I'll uh, come back with more refreshments so we can continue. What do you say? I pray that you do so. (laughs) You know, sometimes I think I've heard everything. And then I came across the High Beam Ministry website. I was blown away. I had no idea how much I could learn about God, the Bible, and life issues from the weekly Truth Barista podcast and Frothy Thoughts blog. Yep, there it was. Riveting discussions, incredible Bible studies, and even a few really dumb jokes. And now, I don't want to miss one podcast or one blog post drop. So, I hit the subscribe button on the webpage. Now, when I get a weekly email notice of a new podcast or blog post, I grab a cup of joe and settle down for some scintillating insights. Why don't you do the same? Go to highbeamministry.com. All one word, highbeamministry.com, as in car high beams. Check it out. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn.
This is The Truth Barista, your link to how God defines our day. Okay, so we're back. Thank you, Truth Barista, for providing the coffee beans and the electricity for uh, us to have coffee here. So as we go forward now, you're going to talk about the finer details of prayer, right? Yeah. As far as Jesus is teaching here in this uh, passage of Scripture in in Matthew 6. Right. Let's see what he says on verse 7 and 8, okay? Okay. When you pray, again, there's that when the expectation. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they think or imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Why? Because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Oh my gosh, there is so much in this to to look at. So let's talk about the wrong way versus the right way to pray. Can I ask about babbling? Yeah, exactly. The babbling thing is basically meaning vain repetition. And according to the word used here in the text, it's like stuttering. It's repeating syllables or words, kind of, you know, as if you're trying to get God's attention and then browbeat him by the number of words you're using Mm. into submission and answering you. Okay. And they're going, and Jesus says, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, stop this re- mindless, repetitive stuff. That's how the Gentiles, and by the way, here's another here's another Jewish roots point here, okay? The Gentiles are called idolaters. Why? Because they don't know God. They babble because they don't have a relationship with their gods. And so they're just kind of repeating, 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 repeating. Jesus is going, you guys know God, so talk to him. Mm. You don't have to babble. You don't have to stutter. You don't have to get into useless repetition. If you knew God, guys, and you do, you would know that his ear is open and it's always turned toward his children. There's no need to grab, and now I'm projecting forward here, right? There's no need to grab rosary beads or prayer wheels or prayer flags or scream or to be heard. You know, you've often seen in pictures in Tibet, they've got what looks like banner, you know, long strings with flags on them. Those are prayer flags. They've got these wheels that they spin, and these wheels take the place of babbling prayer. Now it's just a just kind of like a vain act. Well, even in, and I hate to say this, but even in Catholicism, Simply repeating the Lord's Prayer or a contrived prayer for Mary is, in a way, just vain repetition. Why? You're not going anywhere. You're not really getting to essential ideas. You're just praying a prayer, hoping to evoke or to pull a response. Well, I would think when I was raised in that tradition, it was called penance. So for your penance, you'd go and say, so many our fathers and so many Hail Marys. And it almost seemed like uh, that was punishment. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that terrible, turning prayer into a punishment? Well, because you had to say it so many. I mean, in my case, I had to say so many because I think the priest gave, you know, quantity out for the bigger sinners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I think. I so don't what know. you're telling me is you really know the Hail well, Mary and the R5. Well, yeah, I, I was in the church of praying those things for hours. I go, gee, and then somebody else would come through and they'd be there for five minutes. I go, wow, that person didn't sin hardly at all. I'm kind of like a real life guy when it comes to these types of things. And I can't imagine being married to my wife 
and repeating the same stuff over and over and over to her every single day with the exact same words, repeating the exact same paragraph mm-hmm. to her and expect any sort of decent response from my wife. In fact, she would probably turn away and say, boring, <laughs> you know, because I would do the same thing with her. It's yes. like, what's wrong yes. with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't we have a relationship? Can't we talk here back and forth like original ideas and creative words or whatever, or just pouring out your heart to me? I don't want to just listen to your tongue and your lips flap for crying out loud. (laughs) You know, my wife says to me, you know, when I tell her a joke, she said, I heard that one about a hundred times already. So find new material. (laughs) Yeah, but but it's a new day. It's a new joke. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Yeah, for some of us who have memory issues, but yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What were we just talking about? I have no idea. Okay. Anyway, you know, now while the Bible does teach us, actually Jesus does teach us, yeah, we need to be persistent in prayer. That's the parable of the persistent widow. And that's an entirely different thing. Persistence doesn't mean babbling and Mm -hmm. repeating on and on and on. So you can't force the Lord or manipulate him into answering you by saying, dad, 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 or are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Or can I, 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 And by the way, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this again. I said this last week. Other rabbis have taught the same thing that Jesus teaches. A rabbi, Shimon, said this, when you pray, do not make your prayer fixed, meaning repetitive or mechanical, but appeal for mercy and supplication before the omnipresent, blessed is he. That comes from a very old Jewish rabbinic writing called Pirkei Evot, which means the wisdom of the fathers or the ethics of the fathers. Hmm. That's That goes all the way back to the first, you know, it actually draws on teachings in the first century. But way back then, they said, the exact same thing Jesus is saying. Don't babble. Mm-hmm. Talk. And Ecclesiastes says this, verse uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Do not be hasty to speak, and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God's in heaven. You're on earth, so let your words be few. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question there, because I, I love that what that rabbi said. Start by praying for mercy. But as Christians, we've already received that mercy in Jesus. So do we pray for mercy again? Because that not that sort of like repetition, or is it just an acknowledgement that, you know, God is merciful? I don't know, but that thought came to me. Ah, but what is Lamentations 3 says? His mercies are new every morning. Now, just because we come back to the Lord with a repeated request simply means that the request is important to us. Okay. Now, if we babble, just say mindless words, it's not getting us anywhere. But when we bring the same request back to the Lord until he says it's been granted or no or wait, we can keep bringing it back to him. In fact, again, that's the parable of the persistent widow that we've talked about before. So here's the right way, Jesus says. Simply ask simply. Don't you love that? <laughs> it sounds like a, a, a inspirational speaker, doesn't it? Just simply ask. You know, that's great. <laughs> Something that you would hear on Dr. Phil. There you go. Simply ask simply. Why? Jesus says he already knows what you need. Mm -hmm. Let Let that sink in. You really don't have to pray because God already knows what you need. And yet you're invited into the conversation because Father says, yeah, I know what you need, but come on, come on. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Why? Talking builds relationship. Sure. Cross communication. Right. So there's no need or want or desire that we have that our father doesn't already know. So just talk, just ask and keep asking until you get that yes, no, or wait. Okay. Let's go at verse nine. Therefore, 
meaning all this stuff that leads up to it, not babbling and blah, blah, blah. Therefore, you should pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, for... If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. See, there's the cleaning thing. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. That gets in the way of prayer. So let's unpack this, and I can do it actually very quickly. Jesus is not giving you what to pray. He's giving you how to pray, so to speak. It's more than just the words he's giving you. It's the ideas behind it. So when you say, verse 9, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. In other words, may your name, your character, your person be exalted above everything else. May you be recognized as supreme. So in that sense, what you pray according to that topic is you're setting him as the cornerstone of everything. He's the only one you pray for because he's the only one that can do anything about your situation or anything for that matter. Verse 10, where Jesus looks and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where is God's kingdom? Where the sovereign's will is done. Now think about this. In a kingdom, you have a set of laws called the laws of the land. The laws reflect the king's will. If you're living according to the laws, you're doing the king's will. If you want to do the king's will, you're living according to his laws and you do it. So when you're praying, you don't pray against the king's will. You pray according to the king's will, and the king will want to grant that. Why? Because it's okay. It's approved by his will. Number 11. Now, once you've set God as supreme, once you've set his will as the primary benchmark for how you're going to pray and what you pray about, he gives you very practical things. Verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. This goes back to the Israelites in the desert. God proved for 40 years he can take care of his people on a daily basis, everything they need. So verse 11 is simply ask for provision, daily bread. That's all we need. And by the way, this word is written in the plural, and that's really typically Jewish. Give us this day. It focuses on a group rather than an individual. And maybe that makes this prayer a prayer that's supposed to be prayed publicly. One person stands up and says, Jesus, all of us here in this synagogue or in this congregation ask that throughout this week, you provide for everything we need. That encapsulates that verse. Now we move to verse 12 and forgive us our debts. We also have forgiven our debtors or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's talk about that briefly. A, repentance. This is a time of repent. Father, you know what I need. I repent of the things I've been doing and I intend to change. Now release me so that I might be able to receive what you have for me and make it contingent on how I release others. Isn't that interesting in that prayer? It's not just for me, it's for others. Again, there's that Jewish sense of community. It's not just the individual. It's how the individual works with the community around them. Now, you have an interesting look on your face. Well, I am just absolutely astounded by the plurality here. I guess I always thought us was just me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But it's not, is it? I mean, most of what God writes is for community, right? I mean, yes, the individual has to repent individually and come to know him individually by faith. 
But I think once that happens, you join a community of us. It goes from me or I to we or us, right? I have a perfect illustration of how correct you are. Have you ever seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Oh, I have, Tevia. Okay, Tevia throughout the movie talks to God one-on-one. I love it. Now, they can be a little bit irreverent and funny and very deeply touching. It's a one-on-one thing. But when they go to the Sabbath prayer, when they go to the wedding, when they go to synagogue, it's all us. Jesus' disciples said, teach us how to pray. It's a group thing. It's not an individual thing. When we think in individual terms, that's very Western Christianity. Mm -hmm. When you think in the us terms as a body of God's people, now you're thinking very much more Hebraically. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. And if, by the way, if that pertains to you as an individual, so much the better. But hey, the whole community needs to be forgiven. We need to kind of bathe in a forgiveness atmosphere. Okay. Now, once we've asked for what we need for provision and forgiveness, now we ask for protection and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I just had somebody talk to me about that this week. Mm. We're asking for protection. Protect us when life or temptation tests us and then from spiritual attacks. By the way, God does not tempt people. And this is what I wrote to the person because it goes, lead us not into temptation. Does that mean God tests people or he tempts people? No, God does not tempt people. However, he has allowed them to be tested in order to prove where they're at. Not necessarily to him because he knows, but to themselves. On the other hand, doesn't life bring all sorts of tests and trials anyway? (laughs) So you're saying, God, please, you know, keep me from the test. But if I go into the test, help me to pass the test and prove myself faithful to you. Mm -hmm. That's the primary test. Hmm. That's very good. Okay. And by the way, keep me from spiritual attacks. Don't let the enemy come in and test me. Keep him far away from me. I only want to go through the tests that I have to go through. Hmm. That's an interesting prayer. And verse 13, by the way, here's an interesting thing. It is often tagged with, you know, for yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. In some manuscripts, that's an affirmation. Everything you've talked about, your supreme your will be done. Thank you for provision. Give us our, our forgiveness. Give us our protection. If this is an affirmation, you can do all this because you're the king and all power and authority belongs to you. Mm-hmm. So you're the only one we're talking to. Mm-hmm. And finally, Jesus at the end in verse 14 says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father won't forgive you. And by the way, that's simply saying your attitude toward other people will affect your prayer life. Wow. And here's one that's fun. Everybody loves to read First Peter. I think it's First Peter 3, 7, our relationship here as husbands. Listen to this. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with an understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs, equal shoulder to shoulder, of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. You see? Relationship, plurality, forgiveness, clear pipes, nothing getting in the way between God and us. Relationships and how we deal with one another is the contributing factor on whether God hears us or not. Oh, that's so good, Truth Priest. Say, I was wondering, is there other ways that we can pray? Can we pray scripture into our lives? You know, recently I've been reading through the Ten Commandments, for example, and I've been praying those Ten Commandments 
commandments into my life, asking God to make those real and help me to live by them. Is that wrong, or can we talk more about that at some point? That's absolutely brilliant. We can discuss that next time we meet. But yeah, is God's Word an expression of His will? It is. Now, you have to be careful how you pray Scripture according to His will, but Scripture is, at its baseline, a very good indicator what His will is as a guide to prayer. Now, does that help? Oh, it does, absolutely. But we'll talk about it because I do have some questions. And again, you don't want to do prayer by rote necessarily. You do want to keep that relationship going. But there are some things we can pray into our lives, and uh, we'll talk about that next time. So, Truth Barista, thank you. You want to say a prayer for us as you leave today? I would love to. Heavenly Father, we all come to you both Amazing Larry and I and those who are listening in the next booth and, and yes, around the world. And we come to you and we thank you that you are king, our Lord and our master. And we do pray that your will is done in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. We thank you for the way you've provided for us and the way you've forgiven us. So we ask for more provision, for more forgiveness, cleansing, protection. Why? Because you're the sovereign king. Everything comes from you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we have prayed this by his authority alone. Amen. The first step in anything is knowing the truth. Knowing the truth about God is what we do in every podcast here on The Truth Barista. The next step is yours and what you do about it. We are The Truth Barista, a production of HighBeamMinistry.com. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the 